Blog Talk Radio. night we have going for you tonight a lot of great things to report and then tonight we're going to go ahead and make sure that we go ahead and give you a fantastic show you have the honor and pleasure of joining me at any point by just calling in 516-418-5572 again that's 516-418-5572 really appreciate you joining us this evening and definitely want to thank our wonderful sponsor Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Really appreciate Chef G's. Try out, try out any one of the four great flavors. Honey Mustard, Heat Wave, Fusion, and Classic. And if you're feeling real ambitious, you can actually meet the legend himself. Chef G's right there at 301 South 22nd Street, Tampa, Florida. Let him know that we sent him here. From the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, again, that's 301 South 22nd Street. Or if you cannot visit, feel free to pick up any one of the four great flavors. BBQSauce.com, FLBBQSauce.com. The intro song was made exclusively for us by Sam Scola in, right there in Maine and his beautiful wife, Mary. Really appreciate Sam Scola. So we're going to go ahead and play the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song. We're going to be right back with you. A lot of great things to come on in this show. So let me go ahead and play the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song. Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. A natural flavor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Florida Gold Honey Mustard. 
Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables. Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. Chef Cheese, Florida barbecue sauce. G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Again, that's flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. We're going to get the show started in a few moments, but definitely we want to begin by paying our respects to the late, great coach, Bobby Knight, who unfortunately passed this week. Definitely, you know, some people didn't like some of the antics, but no one could definitely question his desire and his passion to coach young men how to play the sport of basketball in the proper way and technical way to perform the sport correctly. Definitely very passionate, passionate man. He's going to be missed by a lot of people. So we're going to go ahead and pay our respects by giving a moment of silence for coach Bobby Knight, who has passed this week. We definitely wish him family, friends, all those who have been affected, our greatest sympathy here on the Allen Alfred Sportsbook Show. So we're going to give honor to Coach Bobby Knight by giving him a moment of silence. May Coach Bobby Knight rest in peace. So we're going to go ahead and brighten up the show and bring on a great caller. It's always a great support of our show. Let me go ahead and do that right now. Hey, how you doing, Lou? Okay, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing good. Yeah. It's a shame what happened, you know, unexpectedly with uh, Bobby Knight. I mean, you know, even though rather a controversial figure though, but you know, he knew what he knew how to you know how to how to win. Definitely for sure. Yes, you're right. I mean, definitely. Very controversial. You're absolutely right about that. But yeah, he knew how to win, and and he definitely knew how to coach. He knew yes. his stuff. He knew his stuff. I mean, he didn't come over well sometimes. I definitely agree with that. There was some antics no, they don't that, that, you know, because they don't condone physical violence. Right. I agree with you. I don't condone physical violence. I don't condone threatening, intimidation. I mean, he he definitely crossed the line quite a few times, you know, uh, with the, the chair almost headbutting the player, you know, that's, that's, I understand you're passionate, but one of the things about being a person who's passionate, you have to learn how to control your passion. You have to know when enough's enough, you know, but you're right. He was a great coach, and he knew he knew the game of basketball. And yes. there is a lot of technical attributes that go into basketball. Like some people say that basketball has no skill really involved; it's just about height. But there is some techniques and skill That's that you true. need to have. Yeah, there is form. There is technique, especially when you're playing against somebody who does know a lot about skill and dribbling technique. 
if you just have height and maybe some athletic ability, you won't make it as far against somebody who has all of those and those fundamentals. But yeah, I'm definitely, it was, it was definitely tough to, to read that news. And yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes that's what I like about people is that they'll take somebody who is controversial, who maybe does some things that most of us may not do and they make him into make him or she into a bad person and i don't think that's fair no no it isn't yeah so yeah yeah so definitely coach bobby knight will be missed but i definitely wanted to get your take lou on the world series and the results what did you think the World Series was, of course, not what we expected. I mean, you know, you had, well, I'll put it this way. Texas, I think, had more of a realistic chance than saying, you know, uh, Arizona. I mean, nobody expected a team that, you know, finished 19 gazillion games below the Dodgers and come away with this. But uh, they managed to pull it out. They managed to beat Philadelphia. I got to get a crap, but I think uh, Texas was a little bit too strong. Even without, you know, say, um, Garcia, I think it was, a, it was you know, a strong hitter. They call him the new Mr. October. And Mad Max Scherzer, who, of course, is the dominant pitcher. So, you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, what's going to happen with your two best pitchers out? Your two best players out. But it turns out they didn't need them. I mean, because they had enough offense uh, to get the runs and enough defense to stop, you know, uh, be back from scoring, with the exception of the first game four. Yeah, I mean, definitely they they just well, you're right. Well, game two they they pounded us. I I said five games to begin with, but it was five games in the wrong order. I thought maybe that you know if you actually take one game on their own turf, they took a one on actually on the Rangers turf. So, but other than that I was correct. Yeah, I definitely think that that game that they gave away was a turning point in the series. That's I mean. Yeah. That, to me, was a turning point, and the fact that they could not keep the Texas Rangers in the ballpark. They couldn't keep yeah. them in the ballpark. They were just hitting too good. Game one was a big surprise, too. I mean, you know, tying up at the bottom of the ninth, and then Garcia with the home run of the bottom of the 11th for one out. Like, wow. I mean, that was, you know, that was, a, that was a stunner right there. Yeah, that was a turning point. I, I felt as if that yeah. was a game – you have to close out that game. You're up by two runs, so you have an insurance run in the ninth inning. You got to close the deal. And I felt like them not closing the deal, I didn't think the series was completely over, but I felt like this could be a turning point in this series. I mean, because... Are, are we still playing game five right now? Uh, no, no, the game was over. Okay. Yeah, I mean, game five was going to be an endless pitcher's duel. I mean, I thought we, I thought it'd be Lincoln the next morning, and then it goes from nothing, nothing to seven to five, nothing. I mean, I turn around just like that. Yeah, I mean, they they just uh, you got to give Texas Rangers credit. They only had the one game that they yeah. kind of struggled with the bats. Outside of that, their their bats were on fire. Their bats yeah, were completely on fire. And and like you said, they they won this series with 
really swerves are not really doing much. And Garcia yeah. got hurt. And Garcia got hurt after that. And both, so, both in the same game. Yeah, I mean, you got to tip your hat that, man. A double whammy. A double whammy, and they close out the series in five. So that's just – and that's, that's two of their top players. Yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do now? You got your two best players on. This could be big trouble. Little did we know they had some other things that they did, and they got the job done. Thank goodness. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You, I'm, yeah. I'm not a big fan of baseball dragging into November. I mean, you know, I mean, at some point, you know, you have to you have to end the season. I mean, you know, you build all these extra rounds in just to give, you know, just to give teams more of a chance, but still at the same time, with, you know, getting colder and everything, I don't think it's fair to the players or the fans. So at some point, you got to end it before you know, all this stuff gets in. Then I don't think, you know, it's getting into like a, you know, this wild card series of uh, two or three and then a divisional series, you know, like that going to three or five and who knows, trying to make that maybe four or seven. That's pushing it a bit. Because then you're dragging it all in the middle of November, it gets colder and things. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, November baseball. Yeah, I feel you on that. I didn't have a problem with it as much just this year, only because both teams played in a pretty much in, in a warm territory. You understand? The Diamondbacks yeah. as well as Texas. And they both, right. the weather wasn't, wasn't a factor. But you're right. If right. you play in one of the colder states, yeah, it's going to be a factor. I, I agree with you on that. This year, it didn't bother yeah. me as much just because the teams were in very good location with weather. Well, it's getting cold now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're playing in one of the, you know, Pennsylvania, like you said, New York, one of the colder states, Boston, then it really, really drags out. But the fact that the World yeah, Series yeah, were but, between. Yep. Yeah, but actually, in Texas, it's getting cold now. And I heard if there was going to play a 57. They were going to have electric blankets and three long johns night at the stadium. So, uh, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, definitely they, they, that, you know, this year, that's you the only thing. This year. You can't into Thanksgiving and Christmas. You can't do it. <laughs> hey, Derek Jeter won't have a problem with it, Mr. November. No, but the commissioner's an idiot. Yeah, the, uh, the commissioner is kind of weird to me. You know what I mean? Like, even when he gives out the award no, ceremony, really? he, he, yeah. he just he's just too serious and stiff. Even when he's giving out the awards, like, come on, man, lighten up a bit. It, it just he's he's very poor with reading the room. That that's the thing with yeah. him. Yeah. You well, know. he's not very well liked either. Then again, what commissioner is? You know, I mean. The late. You know, nobody, nobody likes. Nobody likes the. Nobody likes uh, the NFL commissioner. Nobody. Likes, I don't like uh, Gary Bedman. I think. I think. Uh, well, I'll leave it at that. But you get the idea. Yeah, I mean, definitely rest in peace to to uh, Stern, Commissioner Stern. I think he was probably the only one people really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. May he rest in peace. Yes. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I, you know, definitely. What, what do you think your thoughts on the Major League Baseball panel, Derek Jeter and crew? Well, I don't, I don't think I was, um, 
But what do you mean by what Jeter on the panel? Um, yeah, yeah, like um, when he's reporting, when he's reporting the news on Fox. Yeah. What are your kind thoughts bland, on how you think he's doing? Yeah, yeah I, I agree with bland. you. I, I agree with you. Like I, being that this guy was a party animal in his day, I thought he would yeah. have more personality. He, I agree with you. He's kind of dry, real dry. Well, that's what happens when you do that party and you lose it. I know, but man, I mean, now, Alex fact, got personality. There was, about that, there was a commercial about that many years ago with, with Steinberg confronting him about his ways. Derek, how can you afford to spend two nineteen dollars uh, to with your friends? And then he shows him the the, uh, the platinum card. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just think that he, he needs. He is not from New York. You wouldn't know, but you know. Yeah, I, I saw that commercial and it was it was really cool and oh, you did. I I just feel as if he just seemed like he doesn't fit in with the group and no that's the thing where it looks awkward it's just like you have three guys that are yeah. living life and you're like the the stick in the mud you understand what I'm saying you're like the guy who just yeah. comes to the party who just like brings the whole group down that's how he's looking yeah. yeah. Well, not back in the early days, but now he's, you know, with short and almost 50, I guess you can say he's mellowed out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if they want to keep him around because it's just yeah. it's looking it's looking more and more glaring. But we'll see. And But, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of things going on in sports. And I know there's a lot of things going on this weekend for you on the Enhanced Sports Show. I apologize. I didn't make it last week. But tell everybody yeah. what they can expect this weekend. Very simple. We're going to have a World Series recap, of course. Uh, we'll also, of course, take your NFL and possible predictions. Also, including in that, uh, the NFL uh, free um, uh, trade deadline passed on Monday, so we're going to recap that. But I don't think we're going to be able to cover every single um, every single trade. We won't have time to do that. I'll have to be here until I got New Year's. So we'll do as best we can. Uh, I also want to take thoughts on the uh, college football uh, playoff poll because uh, there seems to be a bit of a controversy between number one and number two, at least as far as I'm concerned. So I want to get everybody's thoughts on that, especially you college football guys like me. Uh, also, of course, NBA and NHL uh, news going on. Also, WWE, uh, UFC. Um, well, I'm trying to cover some Breeders' coverage because that's the big, uh, big racing day tomorrow. And the last week of the NASCAR season as well. And, of course, we've got our regular features, um, This Week in History, uh, Sports Trivia, uh, The Field of Story of the Week, and The Ridiculous Night of the Week. And we'll also have the monthly um, schedule of sports uh, events and uh, the standings as well. So if you've got time tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Time, the number is 512-543-4662. I'll repeat it again, 512-543-4662. Uh, 4 o'clock at the east, uh, 3 o'clock central, 1 o'clock on the west coast, and uh, uh, 9 o'clock, in, uh, like, uh, I think 11 o'clock in Bora Bora, or somewhere around that. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep, that's right. So we, do all over the, we do reach all over the place, you know. You sure do, and... Definitely make sure you guys support Lou at 512-543-4662, 512-543-4662, the Enhanced Sports Show. That's tomorrow between 4 and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. And I will definitely be calling in. I apologize, Lou. 
I didn't get a chance to call in last weekend, but I will be calling in this weekend. I'm excited to talk to you tomorrow, in fact. Yeah, because last week was not one of my best weeks. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to turn it around. We're going to turn it around. Yeah. There was a lot going and on this. Great coverage too, maybe. And, folks, the reason why I wasn't able to call my good, good great friend Lou was, <laughs> which I'm going to talk about later in this show, was the boxing fight with Fury and Naganu was happening at that time all the way from Saudi Arabia. I'm going to recap that entire event, and I'll give you What's my thoughts on it. What's the time difference over there anyway? Say again? What's the time difference over there anyway? I forget. That's a good question. It it was like around nighttime, their time, and yeah. And uh, folks, I'm going to tell you, they had like a big show after yeah. the, the the fights before the main event. It literally was almost an hour. So I'm going to talk more about that later in the show. But that was the thing that I did not expect, and that's the only reason why I didn't Neither call did in I. to Lou. I got lost track of time, and then. Boom, I looked up, it was 6.02, and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I, I missed the show. I put a comment on the, the YouTube thing, I apologize, yes, but did. I did I not expect... Thanks, but thank you. Yeah, I did not expect a, an hour gap in a show between the last fight and the main event, and I'll talk more about yeah, that. Yeah, that was very common, because they do take breaks in between the uh, minor bouts and up to the, up to the big fight, so that's not unusual at all. Yeah, I mean the show was spectacular. That's, that's I mean, they don't go, they don't go straight through. I mean, they got to catch everybody's breath and whatnot. So I, I get it. I mean, because I've seen it, you know, with with the pay per view fights. First they start with the with the, uh, you know, minor cards went on, then they wait about an hour and a half, or sometimes are, um, you know, they to get out of the locker room and get to the ring. So yeah, that's that's not unusual at all. I think that's unusual at the start time for this. Yeah, I mean that 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 show was spectacular. It just I, I was just blown away by the, the length of time. Yeah, and I missed it. Dang it. But, yeah, so definitely. Yeah. Oh, I'll... reminder, folks, uh, don't forget to set your clocks one hour back tomorrow before you go to sleep. Otherwise, you're going to be in always You're going to be up and on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> I appreciate that, too, Lou. But I yeah. will be calling in. Great. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate you all the time, Lou. You got it. We're gonna turn. We're gonna turn it around for you okay. this weekend. Well, remember, but remember, folks. There's no show on the 25th. A because it's Thanksgiving weekend, and two, it's a special event. My family. I'll explain more as we get closer to it. Yes, and that will hold true for us as well. There will not be any Black Friday special <laughs> Alan Alfred oh. show on the 24th. There will not be a Black Friday special. Black but. Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll talk more about that later in the week, though. <laughs> Not yeah. in the week, uh, in the next coming weeks, I should say. Right, of course. But yeah, I definitely appreciate you, Lou. All right, Alan. Thanks, thanks a lot. I'll do it again for tomorrow. Remember, four to six Eastern time, not four to six Central. <laughs> four to six Eastern Standard Time Zone. That's right, folks. Make sure you support right. Lou on the Enhanced Sports Show and check him out on YouTube too, the Enhanced Sports Show. Good night, America. You got it. <laughs> Good night, Lou. Take care. That's a great, great supporter, Lou, from the Enhanced Sports Show. Really appreciate him. Definitely a great guy and lots to discuss. 
and definitely appreciate Lou. He's definitely the man. So make sure you guys support Lou and his Enhanced Sports Show. And since we have breaking news, let me go ahead and do that first. We're going to go ahead and talk about the breaking news, and then we're going to talk about the rest of the show. If you see the show description on your YouTube channel or you see it there on Blog Talk, let me go ahead and give you the breaking news. Yes, and the breaking news is in the UX. USFL XFL arena and that is I've gotten a lot of a very serious report today and this is now being confirmed and as well as this this news it's it's breaking news because of the fact that it is actually I hate to say I told you so but I told you so what I said when I broke this news on the XFL inside our podcast inside our podcast show was that there was going to be three teams removed from the XFL side, three teams removed from the UX USFL side. And today we got news that it's holding true. And that's, that's where it's being reported. Okay. So let me read this, this report early this week, we were hearing that both leagues would bring five teams into the new venture, 10 teams total, just like I mentioned, also, we are explained to begin in February, mirroring the XFL schedule. And we've heard a disparal draft that will take place before Thanksgiving by Thursday. However, we were reporting that the league's officials would meet next week to discuss final details with a planned announcement November 13th. Also this week, we touched on recruiting buzz for Michigan's J.J. McCarthy, Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. and other standouts from Illinois, Iowa State, Connecticut, and more. Make sure everything we've heard in weeks post, as well as everything we posted in the last 10 days. So yes, this report is coming out and let me give you more information on it. Basically, this report is confirming what I was saying from the original report. It was contradicting the original report that I heard and basically the original report that I heard was saying that there was going to be eight USFL teams. So nothing was going to be removed from the USFL side is what was originally reported a week or so before I reported my report. And also there was going to be only, only four teams from the XFL that was going to survive. So basically it was going to be an, a USFL takeover, what was originally reported. Eight teams from USFL. Only four teams from the XFL side, which was basically not going to be even be a merger. It was going to be more like a USFL takeover. That was the James Larson report. About a week or so after then, I went on the XFL Insider podcast show and reported that no, there was going to be three teams being removed from the XFL side and three teams being removed from the USFL side more in line of what a merger is versus a takeover. The other version was more like a takeover. And I know a lot of the USFL, USFL fans were hoping that original report was true, but from what I heard from a very good source, it was going to be three teams removed from the XFL, three teams removed from the USFL. And a lot of people did not kind of like agree with me because it went against the James Larson report that was reported about a week prior to mine. 
but I stood firm in what I heard from a very, very reliable source. The James Larson report, I wouldn't say was totally off. I did think, based on a report that I got, that yes, there was going to be teams removed. I did think that, but I didn't think it was going to be one-sided, where it was just going to be on the XFL side and nothing on the USFL side. To me, that didn't make sense. Because look, when I first interviewed Danny Garcia during the first press conference that they had at the Orlando Capping World Stadium, I I was the first actually media person to get to her as far as people who report from the XFL. The news interviewed her and all of that. But the people who just who were more like XFL insiders, I was the first one who asked her. And I basically asked her, you could even listen to that interview and watch it on YouTube. Hey, there's a lot of people. There was three people that called on my show on different occasions that was very skeptical, extremely skeptical of the XFL working a third time around. And she looked at me dead in the eye and said, hey, I can understand. Now I'm paraphrasing that, you know, people are skeptical. But, hey, you're going to carry that burden for three to five years. It's okay that they're skeptical, but we're in it basically to, to go ahead and persevere. And she even said it's going to be three to five years you might carry that burden. So a year later, after the first year, you're basically going to lay up to the USFL, which I think the league, to be real with you, the, and you know this is my opinion now, I think the XFL – to me, is a more superior product. I'm not saying that to diss the USFL, but hey, there is no hubs. The the XFL did really well in the first year. Yes, they lost money, but almost any business that starts off is going to lose money the first year or two. That's just how business is. You don't make money the first year and you're, you open your doors. That's just any business. Usually it takes, just like she said, three to five years. And I felt as if there was a lot of positives that happened in, after the first year. This is the first time a full season was completed as far as, you know, the support, the championship. I mean, I know that Vince did it or what have you, but I just felt like this time around, it was, it was just a very, very good vibe overall from the people that were supporting the XFL. And I never thought for a moment, that I would believe that, you know, fast forward a year later, not even a year later, but fast forwarding, you know, to the next season, that after they announced that year two is coming, that they would just forfeit four of the teams and join the USFL. I just, could that happen? Yes. But I, I just didn't think it, that's how Danny Garcia and The Rock came across to me. Throughout the year, I felt like they were in it to win it. They knew it was going to be a long-term process. And then, just for you to kind of lay up to the USFL, it just didn't make sense to me. When I heard the report from a very solid source that it was going to be three teams removed from the XFL, three teams removed from the USFL, I always believed that source was more accurate because that is more in tune to what a merger is. You kind of take off some of the the teams that, you know, and I, I'm one who doesn't like teams to be removed. Let me just be real with you, but you kind of have to take you know, when any merger, there's going to be a give and take. And you kind of take the three teams that you feel as if is, is the weaker links or for some reason, maybe underlying factors, the three teams that you feel as if it's going to be removed on your side and three teams will be removed on the other person's side. And you kind of go from there. 
So another thing that I love about the XFL was the fact that they start right after the NFL. You know, if you're a big football fan, the biggest lull is right after the Super Bowl is done. Because right after the Super Bowl is done, guess what? There's no more football unless, you know, you wait. You know, there is no more professional sports type football. Yes, it's college and all of that. But if you're a real true football fan, the great thing about the XFL is it starts right after, right after the NFL season ends. There is no two-month, two-and-a-half-month gap till April. And starting in April, April, May, and June, those months are so hot if you're going to be playing in Florida or you're going to be playing, you know, in other places it's because you know, got summertime. I feel like February start is better. So I do believe that this source is correct because it's confirming exactly what I said. It contradicted the report I came out with, again, contradicted the not everything because James Lardis did say that there was going to be teams removed. I My report did confirm there's going to be teams removed, but not four from the XFL, none from the USFL. My report said three and three. Three teams removed from the XFL, three teams removed from the USFL, and that is basically what is coming in line of what's being reported. And they're saying that the date that they're going to announce this is November 13th. You know, they're basically figuring out some new details, but I definitely do feel confident in saying that this is 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 what it's it sound like it's going to be not only that i feel like this is what is more than likely going to happen you know uh, do i feel bad that some of the some people some markets will lose teams yes three teams that i feel the xfl now this part is my opinion because you know i the source did not tell me the three teams from the xfl or the three teams from the usfl that we removed but the three teams that, and I've said this before several times, the three teams that I feel are in peril of losing their teams, you know, are the Roughnecks. And let me break it down for you. The, the reason why I say the Roughnecks is not because they deserve for their team to be lose, to be lost, but, and that's the, the, the team that my, my good friend, Matthew Tyler from the XFL podcast covers for media is the Roughnecks. And, you know, I have a lot of ties with, from the Roughnecks, but the reason why the Roughnecks are in peril is because of two major reasons. Number one, you have the Houston Gamblers, the USFL team that is has a little bit more history than Roughnecks. Number two, the Roughnecks, unfortunately, are changing their stadium. They don't have a home right now, and it hasn't been reported that a new home has been reported. So that right there puts you at risk, high risk. The Vegas Vipers, the, the major flaws with them is, number one, they don't have a, a, lead, a team. They don't have a field either. They were going to change to another field. They have not been reported a new field now November. And that's number one. And number two, it's no secret that Vegas was one of the weaker as far as attendance. The third team I feel as if is in peril, and again, this is my opinion, but is the Seattle Sea Dragons. The reason why the Seattle Sea Dragons is logistically they're just so far away. They're all the way out in the West Coast. Even Coach Haslett said that in a press conference that I sat in that, hey, coming from Seattle is tough. And the crazy thing about it was that was going to be my first question to ask him about the travel. And I said, let me go with my second question 
first and it wasn't about the travel. And then somebody asked him about the travel, the next question, and he was like, good question. I was like, man, I should have just asked the question that was on my mind first, but I didn't. So props to the person who did ask because he did say, yeah, it is kind of far to come out from the from the West Coast to play. And that's the coach saying it. So logistically, that's where the Seattle Sea Dragons is. So, and again, the reason why I don't think the Orlando Guardians are at risk is because of two major factors. Number one, Danny Garcia lives in Orlando. She loves Orlando. You know, if you get rid of the team that of that you're living in, she's basically in the same position I am. If you get rid of the Orlando Guardians, you know, which I don't think it's going to happen, but let's, the, the thing about it is then me person who covers the XFL, I, that's going to be kind of hard for me. I mean, that would be hard for her too. Like you have to travel a good amount to get to, a, a, to watch a game. So that's going to be one. And number two, the guardians have an outstanding relationship with camping world stadium. If you literally go to the Twitter and you go to type in camping world, you just go ahead and type in camping world. I'm going to do that right now with you. Type in Camping World Stadium. Okay. What does it say in the description? Home of the XFL Guardians. That's first. Cheez-It, Citrus Bowl, and Pop-Tarts Bowl. So the first thing they're listing is home of the XFL Guardians. They have a great connection, the Camping World Stadium and the Orlando Guardians. So they have a home that they're very good and very cool to play in. Now the, the season ticket holders get to be on the shady side of the field. Last year, they had them on the sunny side, which I don't know why they did that. But this year, they're making adjustments the second year round, and they're putting all of the fans in the shady side. So the fact that you have a home and you have a very good partnership with Camping World, the fact that Danny Garcia, who is one of the owners, lives in Orlando, that gives the Orlando Guardians a, saving, a lot of huge saving grace. Did they perform great as far as attendance? Not as much, but this is year two. And now people who are part of the Guardians, I can assure you, are going to come out even stronger to support. So, yes, uh, I mean, I I believe this is what it's going to be, you know. So that's the breaking news that the merger talks. And... As far as ownership of the teams, I, I don't want to speculate on that just yet, just because I do believe The Rock and Danny are still going to be a big part of this and Redbird Capital. I just got to see how the USFL side is going to work. But this is more in line of what I reported. And also, as a person who covers the XFL, this is more better, much better news. Instead of a USFL takeover, it seemed like it's going to be more of a merger and it seemed like they're taking more of the things that the XFL did really well. The, the fact that, you know, they're starting in February, that's a positive. They're, you know, basically taking the three teams that are, they feel as if there might be difficulty with promoting the league more. And same thing with the USFL. This seems more like a merger to me. As far as the players, someone had asked that. I think the league is going to be even more competitive and even better now because now you have an excess, an overabundant excess of players. 
You have the players that are from the XFL last year. You have the players on the USFL. Then if you're cutting off three teams from each side, that's six teams, that's six additional teams of players that you have excess. Then the XFL did these drafts and showcase throughout the year. They saw a lot of great talent. It is going to be ginormous. I mean, it just an exorbitant amount of competition and excellence. Not that they didn't have excellent players before, but man, if you make one of these teams on the, the merger team and you're a player and you're a starter, you need to kiss the ground you're walking on because man, you got blessed. This is highly competitive football, man. And it was ultra competitive before. This is ridiculous because you got six extra teams So you basically, by doing this, you gained two, but you lost six. And then you had all those great players that you got that had committed, players from last year, players you saw at the draft and the showcase. I'm telling you guys, if you make it, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. I know that they're going to have the training camps open where you people can see it, including media, which is great because last year they did not have it available for them, for people like myself to see. Another thing is they are going to have bigger starting rosters, meaning, you know, where they're starting at will be a greater number than the year before. So it is going to be ultra competitive, ultra competitive. Overall, I do, as I mentioned on the XFL inside a podcast interview, I do feel as if overall this move is better for the league. Unfortunately, when you do business and you do a merger, there is going to be a give and take, and there is going to be some casualties. Unfortunately, those casualties will be those teams and markets that are going to lose their teams. I did not disagree with with James Larson as far as teams being lost. I just disagreed with the proportion and where they're going to be lost at. But Overall, the report is leaning to what I what I mentioned on the Expo Insider Podcast. So I'll keep you guys up to date on what's going on. I felt as if the news was going to be reported next week. If we find out it's going to be the 13th. So that was new. But yeah, a lot of things going on. And since we're talking about football, I'm going to go ahead and get you guys up to date. On NFL news, I'm going to go ahead and go over that with you. We're going to talk some NFL news. We're going to talk Colorado losing to UCLA, having jewelry stolen. LeBron sets another record, and I'm going to break down an Nganu Fury fight in Saudi Arabia. Amanda Serrano, her history-breaking fight, a lot more. On the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, again, the number you can use to chime in is 516-418-5572, 516-418-5572. We're going to take a little quick break, play a Sam Scola song. We're going to do that now. When I come right back, we're going to go ahead and talk NFL football, give you my, my predictions. Is there a concern for the Kansas City Chiefs? Is Travis Kelsey indeed the best tight end a legal play? How should the league manage this situation? And was Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown's touchdown catch, which one was more impressive? I'll break that all down. 
right after the break. But we're going to go ahead and hear the sports theme song by Sam Scola. If you guys need an award-winning musician, please reach out to me because these all of these fantastic songs by Sam Scola are written and produced by Sam Scola out of Maine. Really appreciate Sam Scola and his beautiful wife, Mary. So we're going to hear the sports theme song by Sam Scola. We'll hear that for a few moments, get you in the mood for some more football, and we're going to continue on on the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Scola sports theme song by Sam Scola. Really appreciate you. Definitely reach out to me if you want to sign Sam Scola. And I did want to cut, touch on a couple things. Okay, I, I wanted to answer those questions before you talk into football. The World Series, did the Texas Rangers, were they the best team? Yes, they were. They were the better team. You know, I felt I picked the Diamondbacks to actually win the series. And it's the Texas Rangers bats were just too hot. Corey Seager was just on fire. Got the MVP. First player to get it for two different teams. I mean, that's just outstanding. The turning point in the series was game four when, when, um, I'm sorry, game three. And that's when, uh, the Diamondbacks didn't close out the deal. They were up, you're up by two runs in the bottom of the ninth. You got to close the deal. And they did not. And I felt like that was going to be a turning point in the series. I didn't think the series was over, but definitely that was a big, big loss for them to go up two to one. And yeah, game three was a turning point. And I did want to share my thoughts on Diamondbacks third baseman, Evan Longoria. For those who don't know, Evan Longoria started his rookie year and played a long time for the temp for the Tampa Bay Rays third base. And unfortunately this I this ironic is that Evan Longoria lost in five games when he played the World Series with the Rays and unfortunately with the Diamondbacks, he lost in five games too. So he 
He's 0-2, unfortunately, in World Series. But I did want to give him his props because he has a – Evan Longoria has a statue in front of the Rays Stadium. I have actually not seen it yet because I went to a game like a week or two before it was unveiled. So I'm going to come out there and take some pictures of it, go out here and show you guys it. But that is awesome that Evan Longoria is getting recognized. He is a huge Tampa Bay Rays fan and favorite. It's, I know the Tampa Bay Rays is still in his heart. So big props to Evan Longoria representing Oi from Tampa. Congratulations to Tampa Bay, former Tampa Bay third baseman, Evan Longoria. I know he didn't get a ring, but big props to Evan Longoria. So let's talk some football. Is there concern for the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, there is. Unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes is not looking like Patrick Mahomes this year. I mean, the only way it's not <laughs> a concern is if they have, you know, Taylor Swift at every game because it is a fact that when she's there, they play better. I mean, he still has been thrown, you know, turning the ball over a lot this year. It's becoming more of a theme for him. He's pressing a bit. You know, he's making ill-advised throws. Not only that, he's telegraphing his throws. So, yeah, definitely there is some concerns there for the Chiefs. And, you know, yeah. And is Travis Kelsey the best tight end ever? I definitely think Travis Kelsey can be the best tight end ever, but I don't believe he is the best tight end ever as of now. I still feel as if that lock. That position is locked for Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, to me, is the GOAT of tight ends ever. And there has been some fantastic tight ends, you know, players, Hall of Famers. I just feel as if Gronk is, is just a cut above them. I mean, the guy has had mega success at such a young age. And not only that, he's missed a lot of time because of injuries. I mean, some. I mean, when he catches the ball, he's so big and – People just line him up and hit him hard, but he keeps coming back. If you need to throw a ball to somebody who's going to make a play when you need it to win a game, Tom Brady will even tell you that's a shorthanded receiver. I mean, people talk about Travis Kelsey and, and Mahomes. When you're a quarterback and you're throwing a ball to someone and you know that that person will give every single effort to catch the ball, you're going to keep feeding them. And Gronkowski, to me, Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end ever. I think Travis Kelsey has a chance to catch him and surpass him. He's on track for that, but he's not there yet. I definitely do think Gronk is right now the best tight end ever, but Travis Kelsey is moving up the ladder. I'll put it like that. Is the tush push a legal play? I say this with all due respect. And I know it's been successful. But the tush push to me is a Bush League play. It might be legal, but it's a Bush League play. And let me explain to you why I say that. Okay. You have the highest paid quarterback. You have A.J. Brown. You have a Heisman Award winner. You have Kelsey at center. And you're going to do a play like the tush push to get a yard. 
I mean, where's the creativity in that? You're doing basically a rugby play, and it's, yes, it's getting you a yard, and yes, you may have practiced it more than more teams, and it's been successful, but to me, it's, it's a Bush League play because, look, if you look at the play, guys are lined up below the defender's knees. It is a dangerous play, to my opinion. It is very dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you're lined up below someone's knees, and you're leaning forward with 900 pounds of force and somebody who can bench press over 500 pounds. You know, I, I don't have that exact, but you get the point, over 500 pounds. And you're pushing, and you're pushing him from behind too. That's just unfair play to me. Like it's too much weight, too much force. Again, below someone's knees. That's where you're lined up. I don't think it's a fair play. I think it's it's just an injury waiting to happen. You're supposed to be a dynamic offense. You went all the way to the Super Bowl. You could come up with something better than the tush push, in my opinion. And to rely on a tush push. It's like a Bush League play. I could get it if you did it once, twice, maybe three times, but you're doing it every third and one, almost every fourth and one. Yes, I understand this last game, you changed it up a little bit, but look how long you've been doing it. It's a dangerous play. It's not, to me, it should be outlawed. It's, that's just, and I'm not hating on the play. It's just that it's, it's dangerous. I'm a guy that's pro player, and to me, that's a dangerous play. And it's just a matter of time before, unfortunately, somebody gets hurt. I hope it does not. I hope I'm wrong, but it, it, come on, man. You're lining up below someone's knees, real low. So what the league should do to manage the situation is they can't really do anything this season, but I do suspect next year it's going to be outlawed, and deservingly so. Yes, so I do think it is a play that should be outlawed. Was Tyreek Hill or A.J. Brown's touchdown, which one was more impressive? To me, it's not really even a – I mean, definitely Tyreek Hill is just like (laughs) – he's just so fast and unbelievable. But I definitely think A.J. Brown's catch was more impressive. For you to catch a ball one-handed, get your feet in in the corner, I mean, that just shows you why you don't need to do a touch push. Do something more creative. I know it's going to be probably more difficult, but – I mean, you got A.J. Brown out there. You got, the, you know, Devontae Smith, a Heisman Award winner. I mean, to me, that catch that A.J. Brown made in versus Commanders was just a thing of beauty. Tyreek Hills was, was fantastic, too, but A.J.'s was on another level. So now we're going to break down week nine. And I did get the Steelers right. I did predict the Steelers were going to beat the Titans, and showing up, they did. But uh, we've got a lot more. The first game is, you know, after this Thursday, the first weekend game is actually going to be all the way in Germany. So we have the Dolphins against the Chiefs. And I think the Dolphins are going to win this game. I just think the Chiefs are, are going to do better. But I just think the Dolphins have a little bit too many weapons. The Chiefs are definitely a question mark with turnovers. And I, I think... I got the Dolphins winning, the Vikings against the Falcons. It's going to be tough, <laughs> but I, I just think the Falcons are going to win this game. I normally wouldn't pick the Falcons over the Vikings, but I just feel with Kirk Cousins out, it's going to be a lot to deal with that quick of a turnaround and beat a team that can run the ball pretty good, the Falcons. 
Saints and Bears. I have <laughs> I have the Saints winning this one. I just think that the Bears, unfortunately, are reeling. I have the Packers and the Rams. I got the Rams winning this game. Commanders and the Patriots. I got the Commanders winning. Ravens and Seahawks. It's gonna be a good, very good game. I got the I got the Ravens winning. Bucks and Tech, Texans. I got the Bucks winning. Browns and Cardinals. I got the Browns winning. We have the Colts and the Panthers. I have the Colts winning that game too. Giants and the Raiders. Yeah, there's a lot of big shake up there in uh, <laughs> Oakland to say the least, but I'm going to pick the Giants to win. We have the Cowboys and the Eagles. I have the Eagles winning. Bills and the Bengals. That's going to be a very, very good game. I have the Bengals winning. And we have the Chargers versus the Jets. I have the Chargers winning. So it's going to be a great weekend of football, week nine. A lot of great things. And then we got... The Colorado losing to UCLA and having jewelry stolen. So let me give you my thoughts on this game with UCLA. You know, unfortunately, this is a situation where you just can't, when you're getting building a team, you unfortunately cannot just think about the quarterback, wide receiver, the corners. You got to think about the offensive line. And the offensive line was like grated cheese. They were just given holes they just couldn't couldn't hold <laughs> they couldn't they couldn't hold anybody and that prevented that made it such a difficult time for Shador Sanders and it made it tougher to run the ball pass the ball everything it just fell apart for them they, they, you could just tell they said just rush the passer <laughs> now the more serious thing is the jewelry was stolen from I heard from both sides, not just from the Colorado, who was responsible on how to avoid this situation happen again. Let me say first and foremost, and this I've told, and I've said this before to my son, we've had this conversation before. When it comes to playing sports, I would say it again and, and again and again, there is no reason for you to be wearing chains in a football game. It's just there is no reason, okay? That's like just having kind of like a thug-type mentality. Like you just want to look good for the camera, but to be real with you, that's not what football is about. That's not what baseball is about. When you wear a chain, it is dangerous. It is dangerous for you, especially in football, because you can get tackled. Somebody could just reach and grab grab your chain by accident. You get choked. You know, it's just a dangerous thing. Not only that, you're going to, your jewelry is a high probability it's going to get damaged. Okay? Same thing in baseball and other sports. You should not be wearing chains. Okay? One thing you, you know, you just, you shouldn't be wearing necklaces and chains. It's just, no. You should just not be doing that because it's, it's a distraction to you. It's, something that it's not safe. I mean, some of these guys, I mean, this is what happens when you're just trying to floss. You know what I'm saying? This is, you know what I'm saying? I don't mind people having fun, 
but you bring in expensive jewelry to games and put it in your locker, it's just it's just not smart because then you weigh in on underneath your jersey. That's not what you're there for. You're there to compete at a high level. You're there to get drafted. You're there to get noticed, not because of the chains you're wearing, not because the ice you have on your arm. It's because of your play. Okay? It's your play. All right? That's the thing. You got to stay focused on that, and that's how you avoid this situation happening again. Don't wear jewelry. I said this before this incident. It's not like I just said it as a reaction to this incident. I said this before. Me and my son have even said this. When we watch a game, we see somebody wearing chains, baseball or football. Like, look at this person wearing a chain. That's not what you want to do. It's dangerous for you. You can get choked. Your jewelry could get damaged. Why do it? You're spending all this money on jewelry. Wear it when it's appropriate, when you're going out. And I don't like all this big fancy jewelry because, to be real with you, it makes you a target. And I'm not just speaking this from saying it. Hey, let me call for what it is. This is a fact. I had went, the biggest retail purchase I made, which I regret, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like bittersweet. You know, it's a, it's a long story, but to make a long story short, one of the biggest retail purchases I made was buying a diamond bezels Rolex. So I'm not just saying this from someone who hasn't been there. Okay. The thing about that Rolex, it was beautiful, but I, I tell you, when I had it on my arm, I felt nervous. I felt nervous because it, it's a very expensive watch. People know it's an expensive watch. It was real. It wasn't fake. And you just felt, hey, I got some expensive jewelry on me. I'm, I could be putting myself out there to be a victim. And, you know, coming from New York, you know, it's a long story. I'll make a long story short. But, yeah, I unfortunately ran into some, some robbers before. And I felt like this is another situation where, you know, I could be inviting the devil into my, my arena. And that's not what I want to do in life. It's just not worth doing that. And, you know, my prayers go out to Mir Khan, who's a professional boxer. He went to his hometown and got robbed for his watch. So it's not just me. It happens. You know, people see expensive, you wear expensive jewelry and do it. So now what I've learned from that lesson, there was a lot of lessons that I'll get into another day, another conversation. But one thing that I definitely learned from that was don't invite the devil to, to you know, just don't. When I go to places, foreign countries, I don't wear any jewelry. I wear just a basic watch. I don't floss. I just want to be one of the people in the crowd. And I learned that from getting a Rolex. That you know what? Because not only that, not only did I feel uncomfortable wearing it because it was so nice and you know with the robbery, but I felt uncomfortable wearing it because you know, I didn't want to get it scratched. It was an expensive watch. I mean, I had it insured and everything, but it, it just it was more headaches than what it was worth. Okay, leave the expensive jewelry at home. If you want to even go even more ambitious than that, don't even buy expensive jewelry. Look at Chad on Sosinko. That's the smartest thing to do. Wear fake jewelry. Don't even, you know, but to be real with you, wear, don't wear any jewelry at all because you don't want to put yourself and advertise to be a victim. You understand? Know like if you wear fake jewelry, people might assume it's real and rob you for fake jewelry. You're saying just don't do it. 
It's not worth it. You don't need that to make a great impression on people. And that's how you avoid it. Who's responsible? I I doubt the NCAA is going to pay for this loss. I, I just I just don't see it. I'm hope I'm wrong, but I just think I don't think they're going to reimburse the fellas for it. So to avoid it, just don't wear expensive jewelry. It's not worth it. And I'll even say something else. Somebody made a comment that if you buy a Rolex, it's an investment. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. Let me explain to you that real quick. When you buy a Rolex, okay, even if you keep it in pristine condition, it still depreciates. The amount of money I paid for that watch a year or two or three years later, I couldn't get that same amount of money if I sold it, you know, to anyone. If I sold it on, on eBay, if I sold it to a store and you know for collateral, I wasn't gonna get what I paid for it and then some and extra. It wasn't gonna happen that way. You understand? If you have a, a Rolex watch that's an antique, it was hard to find, and you paid a good price for it, and you kept it for many, many years for for great condition, maybe. But most watches, it's kind of like you know buying a Bentley. You buy a Bentley. It depreciates real fast. Does it hold some value? Yes, it does. It does hold some value, but it doesn't hold the value when you first purchase it because when you buy it two, three, four years down the road, there's maybe four or five different models past that model. You understand? So it's always you have one that's good, but it's, it's kind of like it's new now. Six months later, they have another version, and then another version, then another version, then another version. So your version was like, hey, man, that's two or three years ago, and now they got six different versions. So it doesn't hold its value. That's the point. It doesn't hold its value. And maybe if you have an older version that's hard to find, a rare version, of course, there's always going to be exceptions to every rule. But that is usually not going to be 95% of the case. Ask anybody who has a Bentley, ask anybody who has a Rolex that's not a rare and unique one, it depreciates. So let me just put that out there. LeBron set another record in basketball, and he becomes the oldest player. No, you know, playing. <laughs> let me make sure I quote this for you correct. Let me just make sure I do that for you guys because I want to make sure I give LeBron James his props, you know, and let me go ahead. This is awesome, man, because one thing you got to say about LeBron James, man, one thing you got to say about LeBron, I have to say this, folks, is that with LeBron James, he scores 35 points are the most ever by any player in the 21st season. So that's a, that's remarkable. I mean, whether people love LeBron or to hate him, you can't, you can't deny this guy keeps himself in great shape and to be doing it for 21 seasons. I mean, that is phenomenal. I mean, you know, that's the thing. People might say it's a longevity awards with him getting the points, all-time points. Whatever you want to say, the guy's been hanging in there. You know what I mean? And that's what it is. If you want to break some records, sometimes if you just stick around in the league, and it's not just sticking around in the league, he's being productive. You know, he's – yes, is he, you know, not as young as the guy that came into the league? No, but we all age. But you know what? He's still very, very productive. 24 – 20 <laughs> – 
first season, 35 points. I mean, no one has ever done it. So you got to give the guy props, you know, in that regard. So congratulations, LeBron James, setting yet another record. And, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people have said this, and I've said this before. I still do think that Michael Jordan is the GOAT. But you know what? LeBron James is setting his own type of records and his own legacy. It's totally different than Michael Jordan's. So props to him. And there's a lot to discuss in boxing. I'm going to break down the Tyson Fury versus Nagano fight. I actually took some notes during this fight. And let me... First, talk about the venue. I got to give Saudi Arabia a lot of credit, man. I got to give him, I mean, that was a beautiful venue, stage, the setup. I mean, I heard they did that like in three days to have an hour-long show. They had Eminem there. I mean, it is outstanding and marvelous what they do in Saudi Arabia. So props to Saudi Arabia. I don't know what they're doing to get some money, but that country got some money. And people in there got some money too, man. That was an outstanding venue. Yes, it did take me a bit off the fact that they had some great undercards. But after all the undercards were done, there was about like an hour-long show that they put between after the last fight to the main event. It was an hour-like show, and it was just... It was just, wow. It was just like a concert. It was just marvelous. I just felt as if the guys, they should have probably warmed up in the middle of the show just to make sure you're ready. Because if you warmed up after that last undercard fight and then you had to wait that long, you would have definitely been cold. So I would say within the last 10 to 15, 20 minutes of the last act is when you should warm up. Having said that, I'm going to break this down for you. Tyson Fury, in my opinion, that was the absolute worst I have ever seen Tyson Fury look in a boxing ring. It was it was just unimaginable. I picked him to win the fight, and technically I wasn't wrong. He did win the fight, but let me go into that. Tyson Fury, these are all the notes I took during watching it. He had poor head movement, very poor. Fury looked very unorganized and uncomfortable. He he had he didn't really use his jab. He he not only did he not lose his jab, he he looked out of shape. Like I understand that he's not a light guy, but usually he he was. That's what made him unique is that he carried all his weight, but he had a lot of nim, nimbleness to him, and his cardiovascular was very good. He looked really out of shape, and it was surprising. And I I don't know if he took him, him for granted, Nagano, but. Fury did not look comfortable at all, and he didn't use a jab. To me, Nagano looked, I mean, he looked like the better fighter the entire fight. He looked like the more experienced fighter. It was unbelievable. It was remarkable that he was an MMA fighter, and he didn't look like an MMA fighter at all. You know, Tyson Fury did a backhand, and he started lunging into him. He was doing techniques and, and kind of like, 
Bush League type techniques that made it look like Fury was the MMA fighter. You know, sometimes when you're conditioned to fight some way for so long, those habits become hard to break. And sometimes, you know, you might do a little head bun or backhand. Those things are good in MMA or lunge forward to tackle someone. But in boxing, they don't fly. These are all tactics that Fury was doing. The work that Mike Tyson did with Nagano really, really paid off because he, Nagano controlled the distance. He looked poised. And Nagano did in the sixth round, I did feel as if he did a hiccup. He, you know, he was walking a little, a bit into shots. He didn't have to. He was doing really good. He did seem to lose a little bit of stamina in the sixth round, but I had Nagano winning the fight by one point. I really did. I thought it was a close fight, not because Tyson Fury did so great. It's just that, you know, he threw some punches. They weren't really connecting, but I know that most judges would be like, oh, he threw some punches, but they were not effective. To me, the more effective puncher and boxer throughout the whole fight was Nagano. And I had Nagano winning by one point. Nagano knocked him down in the third round. And I had Nagano winning this fight by a point. That's what I did. This was a robbery. And not only that, there was a poll that was was done. And out of the poll, 71% of the people felt Nagano won. 17% felt it was a draw. And only 12% thought that Fury won the fight. And that's a poll that was not done by me. So worst case scenario, more people thought it was either a loss, complete loss by Fury, or worst case scenario, draw. I had it a very close fight, but I had Nagano winning this this fight by a point. If Nagano did not win the fight outright, I think the next step would have been a draw. Not that Fury won the fight. See, this is the reason why I said last week, why it's hard for me to ever say boxing is the number one sport. The reason being is because I knew, and even Nagano knew, and a lot of the boxing fans that are not, you know, casual fans that are, you know, more into the fight, the fight world and boxing, we all knew that Fury was going to win the fight if it went to a decision. Even Nagano knew. And this is his first fight with a heavyweight. And the reason being because this is what boxing does. If you are the champion, you have to almost basically make it without a shadow of a doubt. You won the fight clear, crystal clear. You have to do Allah almost like what Bud Crawford did to Errol Spence. And if that fight, let's say hypothetically, that fight went to the draw to scorecards, even with Bud Crawford annihilating Errol Spence, I still think there will be something shady happening when it goes to the scorecard. Because that's what happened with boxing all the time. It's so corrupt. To me, I knew that when it went to the scorecards that Nagano was not going to win the fight. Yes, and I might as well just turned it off and just said, all right, Fury won. That's it. And guess what happened? They gave the fight to Fury. You understand? It did not surprise me at all. And that's where boxing struggles. Like, if I could predict the outcome, you, all the time, there's something you're doing that's not right. Because, again, he was a champion. Another thing that would mess things up is that, you know, Fury 
has a fight. He already had a fight in line with someone else, with Usyk. So if, if, if you give it to Nagano, that messes things up a bit. Because now Usyk may say, like, I'm not fighting anymore, Fury. I want to fight the guy who has all the belts. Who has the belts, I would say. Should say. So this is the reason why boxing struggles, in my view. You understand? It's just that robbery on top of robbery. And this is like, it's a recurring theme. You know what I mean? Every week, like every time. What fight are you guys watching, really? Nagano won this fight by a point. Did Fury throw more punches? Yeah, he threw more punches, but they were not effective. And a lot of those punches didn't connect. To me, it was clear and obvious who the more effective puncher was. And Fury knocked him down. Fury never knocked down Nagano. Not only did he not knock him down, he never got him hurt in this fight. If you look at Nagano the, the day after the fight, it's clear. I mean... That's what's frustrating as a boxing fan. And you see this over and over and over and over and over and over. Did I say over? You see this all the time. This is what I think boxing needs. Number one, they need to do a major overhaul with the referees. I mean, uh, with the, the judges. That's first and foremost. Number two, you need to have a playoff system here. You need to have it where guys have to fight better competition. There is no ducking and dodging. I want to fight you because you are a bigger drawer. I want to fight you because I'll make more money. I want to fight you. And when we do fight each other, guess what? We're going to pay off somebody so that you don't lose your belt. We're going to make it close to make it entertaining, you know, but we're not going to give you the belt unless it's a slam dunk, unless it's like a Stevie Wonder could tell that you won the fight. And even then, so, like I said, as phenomenal as Terrence Bud Crawford did against Errol Spence. Let's say that fight went to the judges. I still would be skeptical as far as them judging the fight right. That's just how bad it is. Having said that, props to Nagano for, man, that was very impressive, and you don't have nothing to feel bad about. 80 8% of the people who watched that fight thought you either won the fight, 71% thought you flat out won the fight, and 17% said worst case scenario should have been a draw. Only 12% said Fury won. So either 88% of us are incorrect or something is wrong, but props to Gano for doing an outstanding job. And another great thing about that is that, you know, they're talking about Nagano fighting Deontay Wilder or fighting AJ. I don't really like Nagano's chance against those type of fighters against Wilder and AJ. And the reason why I don't like the, the chance against those guys over Fury, it's not that I think, I still think Fury is the number one heavyweight. Let me just make that clear. However, those two guys style are very different than Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is more of a technical type boxer. And, you know, he's very savvy and slick. He gets out the way and hits you, but he's not an overpowering type puncher. I feel as if Deontay Wilder and AJ could pose problems with Nagano because of their power, you know? And I just think, you know, styles make fights. I just think those type of guys and their power would create some difficulty with Nagano. 
you know, if you get hit by one of Wilder's shots or AJ's, it can be lights out. You know what I mean? I just felt as if the way Nagano's style was was going to be much more effective with a guy like Fury, especially how, how kind of sloppy Fury looked. But I just feel as if against Deontay Wilder and I feel against AJ, he, he's going to struggle against those type of guys just because of the, the difference in athleticism and the difference in power. Those two things are going to be a big, big thing. So nonetheless, still a fantastic performance. And with Amanda Serrano, she wins in a historic fight, winning in a three-run, three-minute round fight. So props to her. Congratulations to her, Amanda, Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano. And so, you know, I'm glad that they went to three minutes rounds because I interviewed Sinisa Superbad Estrada, and she even said she prefers the three-minute rounds. I've been hearing that from a lot of the women boxers. They prefer to have the three-minute rounds so they get what they wanted, and I kind of hope it sticks around. You know, three-minute round, they say it should be more exciting, which has already been very exciting for women's boxing over the last few years. They're making a big, big rise, so props for them at least making some changes to make the sport even better still think boxing has a ways to go so i will keep you up to date on that a lot of great things happening here with the allen alfred sports Talk show i definitely want to thank you guys for all your support want to thank our wonderful sponsor chef g's florida barbecue sauce so delicious and addicting you may need a support group so don't forget to check out Chef G's at 301 South 22nd Street right there in Tampa, Florida. Or you can get one of the four fantastic flavors or some Florida sand, red brick, all at flbbqsauce.com, flbbqsauce.com. The sauces are honey mustard, fusion, heat wave, and classic. So definitely check them all out. And we're going to play the Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song by Sam Scola, folks. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce song by Sam Scola. Counting for variety, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. A natural flavor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Florida gold honey mustard on burgers and ribs. Tasty fusion on pork and sausage. A classic taste for chicken steak tips. A hot heat wave on meatballs and Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. 
may need a support group. So definitely appreciate Sam Scola with that fantastic song. Definitely appreciate Mary, beautiful wife, for doing such a great job producing such a wonderful song. Again, if you want to reach out to me to get in contact with Sam Scola, feel free to do so at any time. Really appreciate all of you with the great comments, likes, shares, the support of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Really appreciate Lou calling in. Really appreciate you guys listening to another great episode of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. A lot more great things happening. I'm going to keep you posted, so make sure you follow us on Facebook at Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show, or you can follow me on Instagram at just at Allen Alfred. And please subscribe on YouTube, Alan Alfred. You can just, as long as you know how to spell that name, you're in great shape. A-L-A-N-A-L-F-O-R-D. So I appreciate you guys. We're going to be back again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Friday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, and 6.30 Pacific. So going to be right here on another great episode of the Allen Alfred Sports Talk Show. Save the number for next week, 516-418-5572, 516-418-5572. Going to end the show with another great Sam Scola song. Thank you again, Lou. Thank you again, all of you, for listening. You have a great night, great weekend. Be blessed, be well. And until we meet again, take care for now. just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.